Welcome to the A Very Full Plate podcast, where we're all about food, wellness, and parenting in the real world. If you have a very full plate but still want to live the healthiest life possible, you've come to the right place. Every week, Amy and Emily are breaking down different strategies for raising a healthy family, often with the help of awesome guest experts. Want to hear more from Amy, our resident natural foods chef? You can find her at Cooking with a Full Plate. Want to hear more from Emily, our expert personal organizer? Find her at Hall Harmony Homes. Hello there. It's Amy and Emily. We're happy to be here together with you, dear listener, who is tuning in today. And we are talking today all about tips for decluttering. Now I know what you're thinking. What the heck are Amy and Emily doing talking about decluttering on a podcast about health and wellness for families. Well, trust me, we are going to dive all into what this decluttering nonsense has to do with your family's health and wellness. And along with that, some really practical tips to making it happen amidst what we know is a really busy life. So trust me, this is not going to be a whole bunch of fluff. We're going to give you some solid reasons that decluttering is an important step to reclaiming time for health and wellness. And then we are going to dive into some really awesome tips about making it happen in limited time. Truth be told, I'm not an expert on decluttering. I try to keep a kind of decluttered house. It is an aspiration of mine. But great news, Emily, our co-host, is an expert in this. It is what she does as a profession, going into people's homes and helping them declutter and get organized in her role as a professional organizer. So Emily, I'm thrilled to absorb some of your wisdom here today (laughs) and put it out in the world so that other people can also benefit from the wisdom you've gained through years of working as a professional organizer. Yeah. You know what? I'm really thrilled to be able to talk about this because it gives me, well, it makes me feel like it's, there's something I actually can add value to here, but more importantly, um, it's such an, a wildly, wildly undervalued thing. And, um, until you do it, you don't know how badly you need it. Mm. And, um, and I, it's, it's such a gratifying experience. Many of us are doing projects and doing work that can often feel like there's no gratification. And this is, I'm telling you to motivate you all. It is very gratifying to get yourself in order. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it with you and I can't wait to dive in. I love that. I will say that I feel that gratification whenever I manage to make some time to declutter something. It's, a gratification unlike what I teach around health and wellness, because sometimes that can be such a long game and it can almost Mm. feel hard to see like the immediate results. And so I love what you said around the fact that decluttering can be a really gratifying short-term win. So if you're looking to add some short-term wins for your life, listen in as we talk about, you know, why you ought to be decluttering and then some really practical tips for making it happen. Before we dive in, Emily, I'm just curious. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but what are your thoughts? I I heard that there's been like a run on Goodwill donations because of all the Marie hype from both her book and the Netflix show. So what are your thoughts on the hype going on around decluttering right now? And what can we take away from that as like a lesson to learn? So I did watch um, the Netflix a couple of episodes and, you know, I thought they were fine. I thought um, Marie Kondo was very sweet and I totally appreciate, I've read her books, tidying up the, you know, um, 
early on. And I completely agree with, um, one thing I completely agree with her philosophy is that you should, um, do everything in one big swoop in your house. Um, because it is sort of like a virus. Once you get going, you kind of catch the bug and you just want to keep going and you need to stay on that train until you've done everything. So the good Um, kind of virus. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, If there is a kind. But my point is doing it in chunks is often frustrating. And I'm talking about one fall sweep, meaning like one run of several months. Mm. I'm not saying like, don't go to sleep, just keep decluttering. (laughs) So my point is, um, I mean, like any trend or Facebook share that goes makes everybody go buck wild. It was very much a trend. And I often said, listen, if you can't keep your dishes clean, it's not folding your clothes a certain way that's going to save you. You know, mm. it needs to be important to your everyday life. Now, if you're having a hard time keeping your clothes in order, there was a lot of great tips there. And I agree that you should thank items before they go for their time because many of us get hung up on how much people spent money on them. And, and I say, listen, it served its purpose. It's time to let it go. Yeah. Um, so I thought there were so many great takeaways, but I also think it was like anything. Everyone's like, Oh, this is me. I con married. And it's like, you know what? Great. Good for you. But next week when you wash your clothes, you're going to toss them back in there. So just <laughs> don't worry about it. Long and short of it, I thought there were great takeaways. But like anything that goes crazy, there was a lot of cruelty and a lot of negativity and some people thinking it was fun and that's all great, but it was all hype, like anything. Yeah. Like, so it, it's just funny to see it get it become newsworthy was kind of hilarious to me, but also eye-opening. It teaches people that they really don't need a lot of things. Yes. Um, this resonates with me so much because it is like a lot of the health and wellness stuff where it's like the next superfood or amazing ingredient. Yes. And the truth is, is that like... What really matters is what you do day after day after day and the things you really like integrate into your life beyond just doing the thing once and then thinking that's all you need to do, right? Or adding matcha powder to your morning oatmeal or whatever the heck people are doing now and thinking that that's going to change everything for you, right? So I'm really excited to dive in with you around like the meat of this, what busy parents need to know. And just to give folks some structure for what you can expect from this episode, we're going to start out by talking about two reasons we can all benefit from decluttering. Then we are going to dive into three practical ways to declutter your home. And then finally, we're going to bring all of this back together and just give you a final wrap up around what does all of this have to do with health anyways? And why are we talking about it on the A Very Full Plate? podcast. So we'll try to pepper some of that in throughout, but we're going to give you a summary at the end around why this really matters so that if you need some motivation, if you are a busy parent who wants to live a healthier, more well-rounded life, we're going to tie this together for you at the end. So hang in there because what we're going to start with first are these two reasons that we can all benefit from decluttering. So Emily and I talked through what she wanted to share before so that we could package it into a nice, neat package for you. So Emily, the first reason you said we could all benefit from decluttering is that items carry energy and you can feel it whether or not you know it. So tell us more about that. Yes, this is very true. All items have a history and therefore they actually do carry an energy. So the more items in your home, the more 
energy and vibration you're going to be feeling. And in many cases, that can be also a negative, heavy energy on your body that you don't even realize is related to the items in your home. You may think it's some other reason you're feeling this way, or you may not notice it until it's gone. Um, it's one of the reasons why so many people will clear energies in the home or, um, when you de- when you declutter, you feel like you can breathe again, or if you get rid of old furniture that wasn't serving you anymore, or items that weren't yours and they were passed on to you that had much more history than you had. All of that energy, you can feel it, and other people can feel it in your home as well. So it can weigh you down. It can come with negative memories. It can come with feelings of shame or guilt. You're holding on to something because you feel guilty, hold not, you know keeping it, you know, or, um, you feel like you should keep it because so-and-so gave it to you. There's all this negative energy that comes with it. And if you don't let it go, it will weigh on you. And over the years that can really be exhausting and it makes it much harder for you to feel healthy and well in yourself. So I definitely challenge everyone to think about how they feel after big items that maybe had a lot of memories to them are leaving the home and, um, and how do you feel afterwards? So that is something that is huge in, um, it's huge in our world and people feel like that's very woo woo, but in fact, it's actually true. So I, I love it. And I think many people don't realize that at all. Yeah. So I have so many questions about this first do you have any example of something that you feel comfortable sharing that you like got rid of and realized that it may have had negative energy that it was contributing to your space? I have many examples. Let me think of one that was like a big deal for me. Um, hmm. We had bought an old home. Uh, one of our, It was like our second home. And Much of the furniture was original to, not original to the home, but maybe 60 or 70 years old. And there was a couple items that were just like big and heavy and clunky and they were falling apart and we got, you know, we sold them and you could just feel like a lift of energy. It was, one was like an old TV stand type thing. And one was like a bank banquet table or whatever. And I want to also point out that if you love the piece, right? Like let's say you buy something in an antique store and you bring it home, it's bringing in all that energy. So there are ways to actually clear that uh, piece of the energy when it's like one of those really big pieces. But anyway, so had I loved them, I would have maybe tried to do something like that, but I needed to let them go because the house already felt like there was a lot of weird energy Mm. and I felt so much better in that home afterwards. Um, Just I don't even necessarily need to bring in new pieces, but I just needed that big clunky out because there was something going on with it. Interesting. (laughs) Just feel it. I know we're not at the tip section, but is there a way to tell if something in particular is bringing negative energy? Or do you think that we sort of intuitively know and it's just a matter of giving ourselves permission to let it go? I think think when it's really weighing on you, you probably would know, you know, when you walk through your house and you look at something, you can kind of feel how you feel around it. Um, yeah. and unless you're someone who may, I mean, it may take some practice to get attuned to that, but I would often feel like, Oh my God, I have to get that out of here. I can't take mm. it, you know? Um, and maybe it's just because this is what I do, 
but I would challenge people to look at things and really consider, is this serving me or is it weighing on me? Yeah. And at the, at the risk of getting too far into the like tips and practical steps for actually doing this, do you subscribe to the KonMari method of asking yourself, does it spark joy? Or do you have another question that you like to ask yourself when it comes to decluttering things? Um, I, I, I totally appreciate the spark joy thing. I do think it works better for something you have a lot of. Mm. So clothing, mugs, items where you have more than one. Um, because a lot of times I'm really utilitarian about things like, well, I'm not going to go buy a different coffee table because this one doesn't really spark joy because then I'm just swapping it and getting something new. And I'm not really, I'm big into recycling. So I don't like to buy new just for new. Um, but I think you need to know a lot about yourself and to know what things you consider sacred. Like my friend Crystal finds mugs are very sacred to her. So she's not going to just use any old mug, right? And for that purpose, you really narrow down like what matters to you in your home, what things really carry something other than just its utilitarian purposes, and then which ones spark joy. So mm-hmm. I do I do consider if something isn't serving me and I don't, if I don't love it, I have to love it. Mm-hmm. Then it's, it's pretty much gone unless I have a real use for it. Um, it's so funny that you say it that way. I know we're going to talk about kitchen decluttering specifically next week, spoiler alert. But one of the things that I coach people on when it comes to like a pantry clean out, which is a place that I think we get super weighed down by things that don't serve us because we feel guilty getting rid of food, um, mm-hmm. is the, is it useful almost being the first question? Cause I am also utilitarian. Like, is this useful even if I don't use, I, who knows, like taco seasoning all the time. I'm not going to get rid of it because I don't think this taco seasoning makes me happy. Right. And then right. the secondary question is, is, does it spark joy? And I think that, um, that can really help when it comes to things that you're like, I'm not, I need thing. Some of these things have to be here, even if they don't make me super happy. Um, they make me happy because I will need them someday and I don't want to have to repurchase them. Right. So mm-hmm. I love that you come at it from like a little bit more utilitarian perspective, but I also think so important to consider that these things do carry energy. And I think we all know of at least a few things in our house that aren't serving us that we could let go of. And if you're waiting for permission to let go of those things, you have just gotten it. Yes, you absolutely have. And those are especially items that you're holding on to out of guilt. Mm, Um, mm. Because let me tell you something, there is nothing parents need more than guilt. I mean, I need more of it. You don't need more guilt is what I'm saying. Yes. Um, There is like, that is guilt, shame. Those are all things that need to go out the window. And um, absolutely, you have our permission. <laughs> um, I do have something I want to say, but I want to say it when it's more appropriate. So if you are ready to go into point two, it relates to what we just discussed. Okay, cool. So in, in the list of reasons we can all benefit from decluttering, our second point is that you should be decluttering because decluttering can reduce stress. Correct. So that sounds like a really broad blog title, right? But it's so much more than that. Um, Of course, 
it allows you to perform the tasks in your home on a daily basis much um, with lower stress. If you have things at your reach and it's clutter-free, you see where everything is, you're proud of it, everything's within vision, you know where you need to go, you lower your stress level because your, your household can often reflect your brain and vice versa. So if your brain is confused, chaotic, um, cluttered, unfocused, your household may also look the same way. And when you get to kind of relinquish some control by getting your physical world in order, then you can kind of sit down and go, okay, now I'm going to boil down my mental world and be like, what do I need to address? Um, whereas when you're looking physically at everything that's going on in your home, it can be so hard to just get your daily routine down, forget, try to get your life in focus and prioritize and have business goals and parenting goals and, and all that. If anything, you're just going to get overwhelmed and shut down. Mm-hmm. So it is so important to keep your home clutter free. And what I want to say about that is, and I just, oh, I love this point. And it's something I've learned over the years and I've heard multiple times from experts, both from my field and just, you know, life coaches and what have you. One of the things that we teach is that when you need to let go of something, and let's say it's something you're really not so sure you should let go of because, oh, I might have a use for it someday, right? That's the age old problem that we all have is I might need this punch bowl, (laughs) you know, like seven years from now at a random baby shower, who knows? But the problem is that mentality is a scarcity mentality. It is an old age mentality that there is not enough in the world. Whereas you need to come at the world with an abundance mentality, meaning that there is plenty for everyone. And when the time comes, the universe will provide me with what I need when I need it. I don't need to hoard things because I live in a scarcity mentality. So think about anxiety. Anxiety essentially is this fear of failure, a fear of the future, right? Living in this fear-based mentality is already a problem for so many of us. I am not immune to that. I am definitely somebody who anxiety will come up in my life sometimes daily. Sometimes I go a little while, I'm doing great. Sometimes it creeps up again. But anxiety and fear-based living is a scarcity living and it is not low stress. (laughs) So you want to lower your stress. You want to come at your life, your home with this faith-based, not fear-based mentality where you believe that the universe is on your side. It will give you what you need when you need it. So letting go of it, you've given it back to somebody else who's looking for it. And when you do need it, it will arrive again. So that's my big theory when I go into homes. Can, can I just affirm that theory for you? You guys, we did not plan this. Emily and I didn't even talk about this point, but I read, I think, I don't even remember. It was a minimalism blog ages ago on why overpacking comes from a scarcity mindset that you believe that you will be in a city that is not your home and you have to bring everything for every possible situation because bad things will happen one, and two, you couldn't possibly get what you need in this other place if you don't have it with you. And I am a chronic overpacker historically, but something about 
hearing it framed in that way was so freeing to realize, listen, I don't need to bring enough diapers for any scenario to London with me. They sell diapers in London. And realizing that I was coming at it from a like worst case scenario is exactly what you're saying. And it really allowed me to let go of my need to pack for every possible situation and say, listen, I can take care of this. And the worst, I'm not going to plan for the worst because I don't want the worst to happen. Like I don't want to put that into the universe, right? So I feel this so hard. And secondly, I think this directly relates to health for so many reasons, but this whole scarcity mindset directly relates to food also. And I've been having this thought swirling in my head that I think we should explore in another podcast episode around this saying that I heard from, first from Marie Forleo, who's an online business coach. And she says, there's always more where that came from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So her saying is there's always more where that came from. And for me, I think that is so key to letting go of tendencies to like overeating things because we are convinced we'll never have them again, or that we'll never allow ourselves to have them again in saying like, I have this brownie here. There's always more where that comes from, came from. Um, so I'll only eat as much as I actually want here in this moment. I'm not eating for the rest of my life, this delicious brownie. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think this like relates to health in so many ways. And I love that you shared it because it's like related to your space for sure. Because when you are managing your stuff, you don't have mental mental energy to manage all the other things in your life that need managing, of which mm-hmm. there are plenty. And secondly, because the scarcity mindset isn't just around your stuff. And I often see it that where people have it with their stuff, they have it with their food too. Absolutely. And yeah, I, there's more I could say about that, but I don't want to bore everybody. So um, <laughs> All right, we'll, t- I, we'll talk about scarcity it. mindset another day because I love this so much, but I appreciate you sharing that like decluttering can reduce stress and we can't declutter if we come from a scarcity mindset. Right. It's, it, it's like chicken or the egg. One, yes. They both need to work together. Yes. And if you take nothing else away from this episode, I encourage you to think really hard about that saying, there's always more where that came from, which applies to thoughts, ideas, you know, business projects, opportunities, food, stuff in your house, like all of these things. And just think on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it can go a long way. It was helpful to me at least. That's all I can share. Absolutely. No, I also, agree. So just to recap, the two reasons we can all benefit from decluttering are that items carry energy and you feel it whether or not you know it. And the second is that decluttering can reduce stress and who doesn't want a little bit less stress? So that will bring us to our three practical ways to declutter your home. I'm so excited to hear these because I (laughs) need them as I've admitted. So number one that you shared, Emily, is you should run the one hour home reset test. So tell us what is the one hour home reset test? I this is like one of the only things in my life I think I've made up myself, which maybe someone else uses it as well. But I've come to realize that we have small children. Small children pick things up and put them down all over your house all day long in the wrong places and make messes and smear things on the couch and whatever. (laughs) So my ultimate goal has been for the past several years 
one, I need to let go of some of the control. I can't walk around behind them and wipe things up and put things away on a regular basis. I think it's insane and none of us should be spending our time doing that. However, if you can get your home into a place where there's few, few enough items, let me put it that way. Um, and it's simple enough that on its worst day, you can pick it all up, sweep and wipe a few surfaces and still have a friend over without any concerns about whatever social issues you may have with that or social stress, then you're winning. So what I mean is you should be able to put your house back together in, a, in one hour on any given day. And I'm not saying it needs to be perfect because I am not a perfectionist when I have people over, but I don't want them tripping on things, stepping on something sticky, sitting on my couch. You know, I don't, that's just not a pleasant experience. So when I have somebody over, a play date, a friend, a potential client, whatever it is, if I can put my house back together with a one hour notice, I'm, I'm very happy and you should be too. So don't expect your house to look like Pottery Barn all the time, but if you can pick it up in one hour and reset it, you are really winning at this. <laughs> yes, I love this. And I'm trying to think whether or not I can do that. I'm going to have to ask my husband what he thinks. I have some questions though. So yeah. because so many of us in this community have little kids, one of the things I probably most struggle with are like the small pieces of things that end mm-hmm. up everywhere. And there's no obvious spot for like because they're just small, random things. So what do you do about those things? Like what is your structure for putting those things away or getting rid of them? Okay. In our home, um, I do try to regularly toss or hide things that I know my children are not actually playing with, or they're playing with them, just kind of like pick them up, throw them over there. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, what I've done is instead of figuring out where does everything go, I've boiled our toys down to themes and said anything else doesn't, doesn't come into this Mm. home. So if it does, we see how long it lasts and it's gone within a few months if no one's really taken to it. So I basically, we have like our figurines in our house is like a huge thing of Peppa Pig. I think the British show. Yeah. So there's one big, I love baskets with handles. I think they're fabulous and I have way too many of them. But they're a great, like, toss everything in, bring it all up the stairs and put it away. Toss everything in, bring it back down. So we have one big basket that's all the Peppa Pigs and all figurines and Peppa Pigs go in there. And then I've got Play-Doh, Legos, and a lot of those little pieces things I put out of reach of the younger kids who don't know how to pick up after themselves. Mm. And they only come out. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are times where there's stuff all over my floor. But I try not to take them out or let them take them out unless I know there's enough time before we have to go somewhere or whatever to also clean it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not perfect. And I am, of course, cleaning up after them or with them often. But I have one hutch and I'm like, if it fits in the hutch, it stays. If it doesn't, it goes up in the attic or it's gone. Because I've learned over the years that it just gets out of control. Mm-hmm. So I do have like a couple of bins that I consider like that random stuff that I'm like, I don't this doesn't have a category. But I'm like, if it doesn't fit in here, the random stuff, it's gone. Yeah. Um, I do like that we've been able to separate our living space from the attic where I'm in the attic right now where we've got like just a few things and that's it. Um, I'm just really big on minimizing it because I also find that they 
play better together with fewer toys. They play more imaginative games with fewer toys. And if they know they have to clean it up, they're sometimes like, I want to play it then. Yeah. (laughs) Good. Go do something with fewer things in it. So I just think having themed baskets really that you can toss that no one's going to see, you just toss them in a basket um, that go up high so the kids can't just pull them right back down um, is a huge way to clean up to, to answer your question more shortly. But I also believe you should, you should work backwards from what you want in your home. Do you want crafts in your home? Great. Get a great system for it. But if you find yourself like inundated or it's overwhelming, then probably many of the things are not serving anyone and they're just in the way. Yeah. Yeah. I love this idea. And what I'm hearing you say is like, have a spot for everything, which will also help you to know what doesn't have a spot. And then to say, do I really need this? Yes. That you said that much more succinctly than I did, but that's (laughs) exactly like it needs to have a spot and the spot should be something you approve of visually. And if it doesn't have a spot, it probably doesn't belong. Mm. And I love the idea. I just don't want to lose this thought that you shared, which is also prioritizing the things that are important to you. So like we are an art family. We like to do Mm -hmm. art projects. So I try to be fairly liberal with the kinds of art things we have available and accessible. That said, I made the mistake of leaving out this art bin that had these like shreds of paper that my kids then of course threw everywhere all over the house. And it was yeah, pretty. that's dangerous. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> Hashtag, you know, novice parent, which yeah. I'm not, but it was a novice move. Um, so now that's tucked away. But that said, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get rid of this because it's not useful because I really love that the kids can like mm-hmm. think of an idea and then make it come to life with crafts. And so I think with everything, just thinking about like, what are our priorities as a family and then optimizing for those things and saying like, well, you know, do I really use staples that often? Do I need to store 10 years worth of staples? Like if not, then someone else can use these, right? (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I always think like, I I am not Costco. I don't need to store everything. And you know, we live in a really amazing age where you can get almost anything delivered to you whenever you need it. And I never need staples that badly. So that helps me when I'm, you know, in my mindset of like, I need to hold on to everything to be like, okay, you don't use these. You don't even want paper. Why do you need staples to staple the paper you don't want? You can let this. I know. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Cool. So that is the one hour home reset test. The second tip that you had for practical ways to declutter your home was to, um, rework spaces for your lifestyle. So tell us yes. what does that look like? Okay. I'll give you an example. I was with a client on Friday and we were talking about, um, you know, every, well, not everyone. That's a terrible assumption. <laughs> Many people in our world have a play area, right? Maybe it's a room, maybe it's their bedroom, maybe it's part of a room. And I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed that a lot of times the play toys creep into wherever mom and dad are and they're uh, like, yeah. Oh, they're in my bedroom. Oh, when they're in we, the kitchen. When we bought our current house, we basically bought a house that had a space that could be a play area or like mm-hmm. a toy area off of the kitchen. Cause we had just realized that that's where they all end up and we were tired mm-hmm. of battling it. Exactly. So you hit the nail on the head there. Um, Many of us think like put all the crafts, put all the toys in one room because it feels like a storage solution, right? Mm -hmm. It's a themed storage. 
totally understandable. However, quickly we learn as soon as a child can walk <laughs> into another room on their own, <laughs> they want to bring all their crap wherever mommy and daddy are. So I believe you should embrace that because it's the reality of the situation and it's mm. a short time and phase of life. So it doesn't, you know, your house needs to work for you. Your dining room may need to have all your crafts in it because they may be doing them at the table mm. and your bedroom maybe needs some like figurines because you don't want to wake up yet, but you want your kid to play nicely next to you. <laughs> you know, I think you really need to be honest about this is a short time period in your life. Usually with the small children and embrace it a little bit. And you may find that your days are much smoother and cleanup is easier. So what we did in the house on Friday was we took a hutch that was full of like candles and things that this woman never used, but it was like what I call high rent real estate. It was a big, mm. beautiful hutch and it, the doors closed. So you couldn't see what was inside, which was kind of what I liked about it right next to her kitchen table inside her kitchen where she would be prepping meals. And it was totally wasted space because it was things she never uses. And instead we reworked it as a huge craft area. And it was within reach of the kids at their height. So they could get the things they wanted. And we rethemed it and it was perfect. And what we did was we went around the house. We found every craft that was everywhere. And we were like, no, all of it belongs here in this room where everybody is adjacent to the living room. They could also go in there with it. I'm just a big believer in putting specific items so the children feel welcome in every in every room in the house. Yeah. Um, because they don't need to feel shunned to, you know, an area like you don't belong. So and then in our living room we have games and we have toys that are like specific for group family, you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like a board games and things like that. Um, and play-doh and things we would go all do together. And then upstairs, we have a movement center because it's a nice big area where we have a little music thing and we let them do like their movement on rainy days or whatever it is we decide we can't go outside or it's morning, it's whatever it is. So you theme there in your house for what's appropriate to the room and then bedrooms are clothing and books. That's it. Oh, interesting. No toys in the bedroom. No toys in my, and this is just because first of all, I don't really want my kids playing alone in their, in their rooms because mm. they're pretty young. My oldest sometimes go ahead and do your thing, but, um, I prefer them to be with us. And, you know, even for other reasons, like we have steep stairs and I just don't want them up there getting rowdy and I don't know what will happen. So I try to keep the bedrooms for sleeping and then the common rooms for being together. Um, and with sleeping, I kind of do the more books and whatever. So that's what works for us. So what works yeah. for someone else is probably different. But I think once again, get to know yourself. What do your kids like to do? And do they want to be by your side? And where are you when they're do when they want to do it? Yeah. Don't fight. Don't fight it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I, I love this so much because you're right. It is different for everyone, but I think the thought process is, a, is the same. And so mm-hmm. I'll just share kind of what we do in our house, which is not perfectly set up and we're always kind of like working on refining things, but we have tried to have like our family room, which is off the kitchen, be more like the kids play space. They even, the coffee table there is one of those, I don't know, I think it's a mood table. It's like some multi-use table that Mm -hmm. has dry erase markers and all kinds of things that they can draw on there. But it's also a table that we can put things on when we need to and all of their toys are in there or not all of them, a lot of them. In the living room, we have really tried to keep that separate from kid toys and we are 
we have some work to do on it currently, but our vision would be that's the place that my husband and I could go and sit and like not be looking at kids' toys all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's separate, right? So the kids almost never play in there. Just things have migrated. In their bedrooms, they have like age-specific toys for them. And they have a lot of books. But one of the things we want to do is we have this like nook upstairs that's in basically the middle of all of our rooms that we were realizing would be really good for like taking these two little chairs they have and putting some books out there. So almost making like a reading nook where we could Mm. all read together and have the books consolidated because my younger son always wants to read my older son's books because I don't know, because they're not his. (laughs) So the thought is to like put those together in one place. And so I hope that this just provides another example of how you can rework your spaces for your lifestyle that also things are growing and changing all the time with our kids. Like this is a solution that wouldn't have made sense or worked for us even six months ago. But as they get a little bit older and wanting to do more of the same things, Mm -hmm. we can consolidate some of the stuff and our space changes with us. So I think like this thought process is really helpful in making me realize that we're like on the right track for it as well. Yeah. I think just taking note of how your habits work and um, you're right. If it it does evolve with ages and so it's an ongoing process. Um, And I, I think you should totally do the nook thing. And the more you, the more that we can read among our children ourselves the mm. more they take interest in the books i've already noticed like i've just started being like i'm just gonna read you guys can play around me if you want and because i used to save reading for like before bed and they never saw me pick up a book and then i was yeah. like oh, they, are they gonna pick up a book if i never do this is totally a digression but um i would encourage you to make that like a family reading area because it's such a great healthy habit and it's something a lot of us we're doing privately, but not publicly. Yeah. I love that. I'm envisioning some like floor cushions and stuff now yeah. too. So it yeah, can be like, like just a lazy. lounge area. Yeah. Um, we'll get inundated by trains and other things. No I doubt. Know. But- I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Cool. I love this one. So you mentioned habits. So I want to go to step three or um, tip number three, where we talk a little bit about habits. And I'm super curious about this. So for tip three, that's okay. setting up daily habits to make getting out the door simpler. We have all been there scrambling to get out the door. So tell me how I can make it simpler. I need to know. Well, you've got your very normal things that sometimes there are clients of mine who think like, wow, that's I didn't think of that. And I think, wow, I guess I just must be so amazing. No, I'm just (laughs) kidding. Uh, That was just a total You are. But what I mean is something as simple as like preparing your coffee at night, of course. Um, Having the kids' backpacks where they need to be. Having all, like this time of year here in New England, I need to have like backup mittens, mittens, backup boots. You know, everything needs to be pre-packed the night before. Mm -hmm. Um, because who wants to be like 10 minutes late scrambling, trying to find the other mitten or whatever it is, right? So I do think that having like a foyer or an area where it's easy for the kids to help you to get themselves dressed, but more importantly, like in the morning, you've already taken care of like those um, really annoying things that have to happen in order to get out the door. And instead you've left some time for a sip of hot coffee and uh, you know, five minutes where you all kind of have a minute to say, okay, we're going to have a good day today, sort of prioritizing that time instead of scrambling and stress in the morning mm-hmm. 
you spend a, like 10 minutes at night, you know, making the coffee, putting all your, or whatever it is you drink in the morning, preparing something. Coffee, so, all the coffee. You know, you know all about the food prep thing, right? I could get into that. You could get into that. But um, having those habits in place are so important. And also I feel like they're rituals to get you mentally prepared for the next day. Like, okay, I'm going to get my butt up and it's going to be great. I'm going to be organized. Whereas you feel frazzled if you woke up and you're like, I didn't do that. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. And then you like overcompensate with extra stress and energy and everyone can feel it. So I also have little things in the, in the home, like um, things are at their reach so that they can be useful when we're trying to get out the door, you know, mm-hmm. get your water bottle. It's on the bottom shelf or whatever. Um, let me think of what else I was thinking for getting out the door faster. Yeah. Can I give a couple of examples of yes. this? Yes. Oh my God. I, yes. I'm always working on being more organized as I've already said, but one of the things, and my husband, very organized. So he has taught me a lot over the years and as much as I have resisted his guidance or his instruction, (laughs) I have really learned from his example. So um, some of the things that really work for me are always putting my keys in the same place. Like I have spent way too many times searching for my keys and I am not perfect at this, but I see the light in that if I can just put my keys in the same bowl all the time, then I'm not searching for them. And that frees up a lot of brain space for a lot of other things. Similarly, and I know we'll talk about this next week, is I try to prep. I almost always prep lunch the night before for the kids. And I will often do like three days of lunches at the same time. So I just don't have to think about it, right? Freed up brain space to do lots of other things. Um, I don't prep my coffee the night before. Coffee is sort of like a ritual for me in the morning. So I do the whole, like I grind my beans and I put them in things. So that isn't on my list, but I, um, do try and like get the kids stuff together sort of as much as I possibly can. But one non-negotiable in my house is that I always reload and run the dishwasher every night. Like Love you. that yep. has to happen. And yep. we'll talk about this more next week when we talk about kitchen decluttering and organization and those kinds of things. But that simple step has been key to my life of not feeling like I can't cook because my kitchen is such a mess that I am already behind mm-hmm. on it. And that yeah. has made a big difference in my willingness to like make food happen. Yeah. And I can't wait to get into that. I want to just add a few more things, like simple things. Always my clothes are picked out, even if they're just tossed on the Mm. floor for the next morning. And I have little baskets that I like bought little like first letter of each of their names and I stuck them on them and like all of them have their outfit for tomorrow put out. Um, or at least I know the weather. So when I wake up in the morning before I walk down the stairs, I go through their closets and I just grab their outfits and I toss them at the bottom of the stairs. So that when we need to get dressed, which I never get them dressed until they've eaten their breakfast because they ruin their clothes Okay. in their breakfast, specifically my younger two, or they'll be like, I poured all over and it was the shirt I really wanted to wear. And I'm like, shouldn't have gotten dressed until after you ate. So it's a whole thing. So, you know, we have like a, we have like an up and down the stairs basket. So I put all their clothes in there and we run down the stairs. And so we're in very much of a ritual routine at home and not everybody has that kind of mentality, but we found that if we don't follow this routine, getting off of it creates so much unneeded stress. So I just think just having a routine alone is 
it helps with predictability. It helps with the kids' predictability. They know the drill. Um, I, I just can't. And then like when we're on it, there's sometimes they get like 10 minutes to play outside before school. And it's just like, Oh, this is so awesome. And then when we're not on it, it's like arguing and fighting and tears. And, and it's just terrible. And it just reminds me why I should never skip doing any of those things. Yeah. I mean, this you know? to food too, right. Is like where organization and a little bit of pre-planning can provide you freedom ultimately. Exactly. Because you've like laid the baseline to then be able and, to do other things. And you think about, think about it less, right? Totally. It's so funny because one of my taglines for my Clean Plates Happy Parents membership has been think about food less, which is so funny because it's a membership about food. But, (laughs) But I think we cycle on the things we don't have in order. I know I cycle on the things I don't have in order and I actually spend more time thinking about them even though they're less in order. (laughs) So I think it's like this dichotomy of life. One thing I want to get your take on, and maybe this will be applicable to other people. I've been thinking that it's a weird thing that I keep the kids' socks in their drawers upstairs when it's the Mm -hmm. last thing Mm -hmm. we always put Mm -hmm. on. They go Mm -hmm. on with their shoes and their shoes live downstairs. Like, is it reasonable to think that their socks should live in the closet with their shoes? No. Yes, it is. Actually, no. What I'm going to say is (laughs) You should absolutely have a drawer downstairs by the foyer with all their socks. Mm, Okay. I don't have a drawer down there, but I could put a bin on the Whatever it is. You decide. It could be a pretty pink bow. I don't care what it is. (laughs) But um, I actually have that rule because we have very slippery, steep stairs. Yeah. And um, right now, many of their socks still live upstairs, but I'm like, okay, they all belong. I have a little thing and I'm like, all their socks belong in the drawers. Why? What? And the laundry is next to my foyer. So there's not even like, it needs to go upstairs to the laundry argument. None of their socks belong in their room unless I'm just, there's no good reason for it. And that's like a lifestyle thing, right? Like I was saying before, like call a spade a spade. Like my, um, I won't get into this until next week, but I had a client who had something going on in her kitchen where I was just like, why don't you put your spices over here? And she was like, Oh, wow. And I'm like, it sounds so daunting, but when you've been looking at something for so many years, you just don't even think outside yourself anymore. Yeah. You're just like, I don't even know what to do. You're so frozen. You just need a fresh set of eyes and someone to be like, let's just do this. You know? Yes. It's so silly, but it works. I do know that like (laughs) no one has the magical answer. And yet sometimes you need someone to give you an answer who is not as close to the problem. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I feel like this is the perfect segue because you alluded to talking about kitchen stuff next week. Let's talk really briefly about how, how all of this ties to health and then tell folks what we're going to be talking about next week. Okay. That sounds awesome. So when it comes to decluttering, the benefits are extremely powerful for your mental health. And without a mental clarity, there's no way you're going to be able to address your physical health either. Um, not only is it lower stress, your daily routine is more smooth. You have more time to focus yourself and figure out what it is you're all about, what you want to be spending your time on. What are your health goals? Because you may not even be able to think past the dishwasher at this point. So for me, I will tell you that almost every one of my clients says they didn't realize how much this was bothering them until it was gone. Mm. And it's a lot like that theme, like when you're on one part of your life, you can be on it in other parts of your life. But when you're off in another one part of your life, you simply can't keep up with motivation and inspiration. 
to be on it in the other parts of your life, whether it's your business or your health or your mental health or your relationships or your home, it all needs to work together in this vortex. And when you're on the up, you're on the up. And when you're on the down, you're on the down. So it's all related. And not to mention if you're spending time picking up toys nonstop because you have way too many toys, then you can't spend 20 minutes going for a run or, you know, doing a few push-ups. or like, it really takes very little time to address your physical health in a meaningful way, but it takes very little to take you off track from having that time. Does that make sense? Agreed. And even (laughs) things like like if your house is like embarrassing to you and I'm not claiming that anyone should be embarrassed because I'll walk into anybody's house, but let's say that you have a, you have a certain lifestyle you want to exude or you want your friends to be comfortable in your home. You're going to limit your social engagements, which is Mm -hmm. not healthy for your health, right? You're not going to have these connections that you need with other friends and humans. And maybe even when you need it the most, because you're not keeping up with it. So it all works together and it's wildly undervalued. Maybe, maybe the new Netflix series will get people to figure that out. But I just want to say that in our society, it is so imperative to set boundaries for yourself with items you have in your home. It will take you down if you do not take control of it. And it is not necessary to have so many things. Yeah. So, you know, I, this is me giving you all permission to let go of many, many things (laughs) in your home. Yes. I agree with all of that. I want to point out that we did talk about healthy relationships and the importance of social relationships in an episode we did about longevity. I don't remember which episode number it was right now, but I'm going to link to it at averyfullplate.com slash 49 in the show notes for this episode. If folks want to listen in on why having social relationships is so important, because a hundred percent, I have had that feeling of like, oh crap, I can't have someone over right now. My house is a disaster. And the more stuff I have everywhere, the harder it is to reset it really quickly. Sometimes even in like 15 minutes, like run a vacuum and scrub the toilet Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that I feel like I can have someone over. And the more stuff, the more I feel hindered by it. And I've been just been thinking so much about like, where is my stuff serving me? Whether where versus where am I serving it? Like, where am I slave to it? Absolutely. And there's a much bigger topic here about why are you holding on to it or mm. why did it happen in the first place? But that's a different story for a different day. But it may be not an exercise we all need to, to dig a little deeper in personally and privately as well. If you guys are interested in digging into that topic, let us know. Real Foods Talk with Real Parents on Facebook. You can go over there and let us know if this is something you want to hear more about. Maybe Emily can lead us through like a guided meditation around letting go of our stuff at the end of this month, if that's something that's interesting to you. In the meantime, next week, we're going to be digging into kitchen organization, a topic that I am surprisingly passionate about given that organization is not my strong suit. But I do believe that an organized kitchen is the starting point for a life in which you are willing and able to cook efficiently and effectively. And so we're going to be digging into that more next week, including like what should you definitely have in your kitchen? What should you definitely not have in your kitchen? Things like the story around Emily's 
uh, client and where you store your spices and some really simple but possibly not easy things that are kind of low-hanging fruit in kitchen organization. So I'm really excited about that topic. The week after that, we're going to be talking about mind clutter and some easy tips to decluttering your mind through exercises around like creating to-do lists and documenting things instead of trying to store it all in your head. That's something I'm really excited and passionate about. And then at the end of the month, we'll be digging a little bit more perhaps into this thought process around why you are holding on to things and what you can do to let go of them. You let us know if that's interesting to you. Again, that's Real Food Talk with Real Parents on Facebook. Um, That's all we have for today. Emily, anything you want to tell us by way of wrap up? I want to remind everybody not to manifest uh, a lifestyle of scarcity and fear. Mm. (laughs) Instead, um, always assume things are going to be all right. Yeah. And if we assume things are all right, then we don't need a 10-year supply of staples or toilet paper. That's true. Okay. And um, I also want to name next week's episode, The Joy of Cooking, like Julia <laughs> <laughs> Childs. Never I is. like it. Join us, join us <laughs> next week. <laughs> I can't imitate Julia Child. Join us next week for The Joy of Cooking, Kitchen Organization. We can't wait to see you there. In the meantime, if you have a minute, if you have used Emily's tips and organize your house and you just find yourself in the extra minute, we would be so grateful if you would go on iTunes specifically and leave a review for the podcast. Your reviews and feedback are super helpful in helping new folks find the podcast and we would be endlessly grateful for your support. We are coming up on one year of doing this podcast and it would just be like your gift, your birthday gift to us for showing up week after week for 49 weeks now. I'm super proud of us. Our baby is walking and talking now at one <laughs> years old. I remember we called it our baby podcast. <laughs> that is true. It's almost a toddler podcast. I'm very excited about that. So if you guys can leave a review on iTunes, that would be so awesome. Thank you so much for listening today. And we look forward to seeing you here, hearing, talking to you here. What's the right term for a podcast? Talking. We look forward to barking at you with all of our information. (laughs) We look forward to downloading our brains to you next week when we talk about the joy of cooking and kitchen organization. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening.